You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information on Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join in for this week's message. This morning I want to talk to you about something that, uh, it's, it's kind of funny because there's times that, you know, when you preach a lot, when you do a lot of preaching and stuff, you, you forget a lot of sermons and a lot of things that you preach. And, and Mike Carroll actually uh, made a comment to me, man, it was months ago, wasn't it? It was like five, six months ago. And he made a comment about a, an illustration that I'd done. And I was like, well, that sounds like a really cool illustration. Where'd you, where'd you hear that at? And he said, well, you preached it. And I was sitting there racking my brain trying to remember. And then I remembered, and it was probably five, six years ago or so. And so I just couldn't get it out of my head. Like this, because I was praying about what to preach. And I couldn't get it out of my head, couldn't get it out of my head. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back and do that again and just write a whole new sermon around, around this. So I'm really excited about what we have for you tonight um, because some illustrations stick with you more than the sermon. And this is one of those illustrations that will stick with you. I didn't remember the sermon at all, but as soon as he said Legos, I went, oh, yeah, I remember that. So here's what I want to talk to you about. We all seek a big picture from God, right? We all seek direction. We all seek, God, where are you taking me? Where do you want me to be? God, what are you putting in front of me? And God will give us a picture of what our future is going to look like, right? Just like this box right here, God gives us a picture of what everything's going to look like, and we get excited because we see the picture, we see the end result, we see what God has planned. But then here's what God does. I should have taken them out of the bag first. He dumps it out, and then he gives you this. You say, well, God, what am I supposed to do with this? This doesn't at all look like what I pictured. See, I had this, I had this Corvette in my mind, this Lamborghini. I had this, this car that, that you were wanting to build. I'm not, not an actual car, but you know what I'm saying, the picture. I have this picture, but yet you give me this. What am I supposed to do with this? It's got holes in it, Cole. See, God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He got a picture. Then he handed him a piece. Then he told him, go kill that piece. See, here's the thing. We're going to talk about what you do with your piece today when your piece looks nothing like what you pictured. Okay? Some of you are giving up on your picture because you're discouraged with your peace. So what do you do with the pieces God gives you? I'm gonna look at someone in the, in the Bible that, that God showed a lot of pieces to. He gave him a picture, gave him a very specific picture, but yet none of the pieces match that picture. I want you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. We're gonna talk about one of my favorite people in the Bible, a guy by the name of Joseph. It says in verse five, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. First mistake Joseph made. Sometimes God gives you a vision and gives you a dream that's for you. And especially when you tell it to your haters, they're gonna hate you even more. Right? There's things that God has told me to do that I stick my neck out on and I'm like, man, are you sure God? What God's taking me through right now, the, the, the remodeling of, 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 of what he has designed for me to do, the, the remodeling he's taking me through, you want to talk about putting your neck out on a, a, a chicken, putting his neck out on the line, get his head chopped off, you start doing stand-up comedy, 
when God says do stand-up comedy, right? Because then you're like, okay, God, I'm doing it. And then the first, if you guys didn't know about this, the first place I go, I said, God, I, I, this is nothing in there, but just so you guys know. The, I said, okay, God, what am I, I'm supposed to count comedy. And he confirmed it to me in a couple ways, just so you guys know. Uh, I was driving. God laid it on my heart. I said, that's funny. I'm not going to do that. And then my wife says, I think I, God's saying you need to start doing stand-up. Like, no. And then my best friend calls me on the phone and says, man, I was praying today. This is the craziest thing, but God told me to call you and tell you you're supposed to do stand-up. I'm like, okay, I'm going to call my dad. He's going to talk me off the ledge. He's going to be like, because you all know my dad. He's going to be like, you're crazy. You're stupid. Call my dad, and he says, it's about time. God told your mom and I you was going to do that when you were just a kid. So I said, okay, God, what am I going to do? So if you don't think God has a sense of humor, I, I was like, I don't know what to do. So I started sending just things out to comedy clubs, and I got this bar, got back a hold of me, and they said, uh, we'd love to have you come do like a little five-minute set, get some time. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, I'll do something on marriage. I got a lot of material on marriage. I get up. I'm about a minute into my set on marriage, and I look around the bar, and I realize I didn't do any research on this bar, and I realize there's a lot of men standing around in this bar, and I realized I was in a gay bar <laughs> doing comedy about marriage, dressed like a cowboy. I was like meat to the wolves to those guys. I was like cowboy and more village people. Then I really noticed that, you know, because my wife and I walked in, I realized the guys that was whistling at my wife when we walked in weren't whistling at my wife. And I really regretted the guy standing behind us said, that butt looks good in those jeans because I thought he was talking about my wife. So I winked at him and said, you know it. So, so I said, okay, God, you got your laugh. And then the next day, Bob Smiley called me and said, hey, you starting to do comedy yet? And so God just started rolling. You want to talk about sticking your head out on the line. And you tell people, this is what God's telling me to do, and, and you want to talk about ridicule. You, you know what I'm saying? And you have to know. And then the night, the night that I'm going to go on tour with Bob Smiley and Tim Hawkins, the night the entire country shuts down with COVID, you have to know that you heard from God to spend the next two years sitting there going, okay, God. You told, I, I thought it was buyer's remorse. I thought it was God was like, hey, you know, I, I changed my mind. You don't have to shut the whole place down. Anyways, first mistake he made was to tell his haters his dream. Verse six, so he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheath arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheath. The only thing worse than telling your haters your dream is to tell your haters, hey, guess what? You're gonna bow down to me someday. But see, God had given him this picture and he saw what he was supposed to become, but then God handed him a piece. His brothers got jealous. What'd they do? They threw him in a well. They sold him into slavery. That doesn't look anything like ruling a nation, but he worked hard as a slave, eventually became the leader of the house of his master. But then the master's wife came and tried to flirt with him. He said, no, she accused him of something. He now gets thrown in jail. That doesn't look anything like ruling, does it? He was handed another piece. Then he took that piece, and he was diligent with that piece, and he's like, okay, God, what am I supposed to do in this, in this location? What am I supposed to do in this moment? Why are you handing me this piece? Because here's the thing. We get the picture, and we try to just build the picture, and we don't have any foundation underneath. And the pieces build the foundation that holds when the wind and storms come. So what do we do with our peace? The first thing is we need to work on our own peace. 
We can't pay somebody to put this together for us. You can, but it's not going to turn out the way it's supposed to. You didn't build it. You can't just expect someone else to teach your kids morals. You can't send them to school and be like, okay, it's, the, it's their job to teach my kid. Send them to Sunday school. Send them to, to youth group. It used to make me so mad when parents would call me as a youth pastor. They'd call me and be like, what are, why aren't you teaching my kid this? I said, no, why aren't you teaching your kid this? I have them for two hours a week. I have them for two hours a week. Why am I not teaching them? Why are you not teaching them this? Listen, while it's good to seek advice of other experts on the pieces, we can't expect to simply go to church, maybe seek a little counseling, and then voila, we have a finished picture. Those other tools, they enhance the end picture, but ultimately at some point you have to start doing something with your pieces. We sure seem to know what other people should be doing with their pieces. We sure seem to be experts on other people's kids. We sure seem to be experts on other people's problems. We sure, we sure seem to know a lot of that. Get your nose out of their box and focus on your own piece. Number two, follow the instruction manual. You can look at the pieces all you want, but eventually you have to start putting them together. Those pieces are not going to magically appear and end up together. You got an instruction manual that takes you through, and, and I think it's so funny, this analogy, because what's the, between men and women, who are more likely to follow the directions? And in the relationship, who's more likely to follow the directions? Men don't like being told what to do. Men don't like being told how to do it. But at some point, the men got to step up and say, you know what, I'm not good enough on my own. I don't know how many of y'all have little kids, but when they get those Legos, it, every year, the first one you open up when they're little, you think, I can do this myself. And then at some point, you have to break down, tear all those pieces apart and say, you know what, I'm not good enough on my own. See, the mistake we make in life is we get a piece and we get another piece, and we try to jam those pieces together before we even stop and look to see if those pieces are supposed to be anywhere in the same place. But it sounds right. Somebody else made a piece together, and they put that piece into that place of the Lego, so that must mean that I'm supposed to put my piece into that place. And then you end up with something that is stuck, and I don't know if you've ever stuck these in the wrong place. It's a lot harder to take them apart than it is to put them together. We can put these together on how we think they should go, and it will eventually start looking like the end picture, but in the end, it won't fully look like what it was originally designed to be. But the Bible's too confusing to me. Have you tried reading one of those instruction manuals? Now they get lazy, they just do pictures. And I mean, you're sitting there, I'm so glad my kids are old enough, I ain't gotta do this. And when my kids have kids, I'm, I am not on Lego duty. That is their job because you lay those out and you're just, you're just staring at them because you, all, you already tried your own. So you open bag one, open bag two, and open bag three and dumped them all together. Then you find out you need bag one, bag two, right? And so you're sitting there throwing everything together and you get confused. 
But when you actually have the peace in one hand and the instruction manual in the other, it makes a lot more sense. Because you can look at it and say, ah, oh, that makes sense. People say, well, where am I supposed to read the Bible? I'm gonna give you the easiest answer. You ready? The inside. The inside. Because I'm gonna tell you something. When you got a peace and you say, God, show me what I need to know today. You're gonna find yourself finding out what to do with your peace. I'm telling you, like, so many times that I've been like, okay, God, what am I supposed to open to? And I open my Bible and boom, there it is. And it's exactly what I'm going through. The scripture that, that my wife and I, that God gave both of us is blessed coming in and blessed going out. And we've been standing on that scripture for the last three weeks because it pertained exactly to what we were going through. If you just skim the manual and try to do it by memory, you also mess up. A lot of times we go through the Bible and we look at things in the Bible, and a lot of times, here's one thing you have to understand. Satan knows the Bible too. You notice when he was tempting Jesus, he quoted scripture to Jesus. But here's what Satan does. He tests how well you know it. So he quoted scripture to Jesus, but he changed just, just enough to make it manipulate to what he wanted. And there's so many, even when I'm writing a sermon, I'll have a whole sermon written, and I'll have it all on this scripture that I have by memory, and then I can't find that scripture anywhere in the Bible. Or I find it, and it's not at all what I thought it was. Because my memory is not as good as opening it and reading it. The Bible says to continually renew your mind. Continually. My wife's a teacher. It's one of the hardest things, the worst things about the job is that they're continually having to learn. They're constantly having to go through more training and more training and more training. And it's constantly, as soon as she gets done with one training, she's got to do another training. It's like, I don't have any time to teach, but the whole point of it is so that it's at the front of their mind and they constantly are remembering it so they can take it to the kids. We have to take the same approach with our Bible. You can't just go off of memory. When you got a piece, you can't say, okay, I think I remember this is where that piece goes. No, I need to take that. Nice. I'm, I'm a triple checker. I'm like, before I put that on there, I'm looking at it five, six times before I put it together. Because I've made the mistakes enough to know that I don't want some jacked up little Lego piece that looks nothing like what it's supposed to. Number three, be diligent with the pieces you have in the place that you are. Be diligent with the pieces you have in the place that you are. Luke 16, 10 says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. I had a lot of youth pastors when, when we were at Lone Star, a lot of youth pastors come to me and say, okay, what do I have to do to get a youth group that big? And say, well, you need to stop looking at the youth group that big and start looking at what you got. Because when you're looking over the students that are there, to try to see the kids that aren't there, you're not focusing on the students that are there. And God can't trust you with those little, he's not gonna send you that much. You have to prove to God, I'm gonna be as diligent, I've got five kids, all right, I'm gonna be as diligent with five kids. See, everybody liked to see our big youth group of four or 500 kids, they didn't like to see the 15 kids. 20, well, we, so we started with 15 kids and we grew to eight, because we made half of them mad. And then we stayed at eight for like a year, then like 20, then like 40, then by year four, we was finally at about 100. You see what I'm saying? God 
It wasn't just, bam, here it was. God gave us a little more. Okay, can I trust you with that? And they always wanted to know, how can I get there? And it's easy. Don't overlook what you got right now. Be diligent with the pieces you have now and the place that you are. When you're ready for more pieces, God will give you more pieces. But if he can't trust you with what he's already given you, why can you expect him to give you more? If you're already stressed with this, he's not going to dump more on your plate. Even though Joseph kept being placed in circumstances that looked the exact opposite of what his picture was, he was still diligent in those places. You can sit and wait for an opportunity to happen, or you can make an opportunity happen. I've learned that opportunity looks a whole lot like hard work. See, Joseph was a slave, and he worked hard as a slave. You say, but you don't get it, Nick. My boss, he's hard... You still get paid. Joseph didn't get paid. He got beaten. He was a slave, but yet he was still diligent as a slave. Then he was a prisoner. He was diligent as a prisoner. That's not a great success story yet, is it? When faced with adversity, you can become one of two things. You can become bitter or you can become better, but you can't be both. When you get faced with circumstances that get in your face and they don't look at all like what, you're, what, you're, what you have pictured in your mind and what, what God, let, you can get better or you can get better. You can't be both. When you get bitter, there's no place for God to work in your heart because your heart becomes hard. No place. The harder the trials, the more likely the larger the task God expects from you. Look at some of the people in the Bible. Look at Moses, Daniel, Job, Naomi, David, Esther, Peter, Paul, many others. People want their happy part. They don't want the trials that came before it that built the foundation so that when the wind blew, you following me? I've always said that Satan usually attacks the hardest right before God has something great planned for you. Satan always tries the same thing too. He's a one-trick pony. You notice that? One-trick pony. He tries to discourage you. Always. And I'm one of those that when things start going wrong, all that does to me is it confirms I'm where God wants me to be. Right? COVID hit. Okay, God, what am I supposed to do? This is what you told me I was supposed to do, God. What am I supposed to do with this? God said, well, when you rode bulls, you watched videos all the time. So I started plugging in videos and watching people and studying and writing stuff down and writing it and and working on things, right? And then all of a sudden, COVID lifts and I get a whole bunch of bookings. And then Omicron comes out and every single one of them cancels. Then I finally get, I, I go do a bunch of shows. Man, it's awesome. Everything's great. And then I get a bunch more shows and I go to take off and the weather pushes three shows back, and then the, the next, the fourth show, the, bird, the building burns to the ground the night before I was supposed to be there. All right, God. I'm just supposed to do this more. All that does is encourages me because I know Satan's always scared. That's one of the best trips I've ever had. I've been doing motivational speaking and speaking for years. That was one of the most fun trips I've ever had. Started out horrible. One of the most blessed trips I've ever had. Some of the best ministry I've ever had. You want to talk about ministry opportunities, you go into bars and you make people laugh. 
And then you sit down with them afterwards and they say, man, you, you were really clean. Like you didn't, like, you know, and then you start talking to them. Man, you have some ministry opportunities. You'd be amazed at what a drunk person will open up to you when you've made them laugh. I mean, some of the best ministry you'll have. Galatians 6, 9 is my motto scripture. It's been for years. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. How many harvests have I lost because I got discouraged with my peace and wasn't patient enough for that peace to be in its place? Last one is focus on the peace of hand. Well, we may still have the picture in mind. To get to that picture, you have to focus on this peace you have in that moment. God, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? What are you trying to tell me in this moment? Some pieces are big and they're easy to see. Other pieces are so small, if you drop it, you ain't ever finding that again in the carpet. God, what are you telling me with this piece? What do you want me to do today? Those of you who've been around me long enough know that, that that's my, mo- my morning every morning. I say, okay, God, every morning, who do you want me to bless today and where do you want me to go today? Because listen, I can have a picture at the end. God, God called me in the ministry when I was nine years old. Called me in the ministry when I was nine years old. So I had a picture. And we used to have a, a, a missionaries come to my dad's church. And you gotta understand, this is out in the middle of nowhere. And these missionaries would come or these speakers would come. And I'm, I'm 10 years old and the first one comes. Uh, I, I just blanked on her name. Uh, Dunnick's her last name, but she came and she just pointed to me in the middle of the sermon. She goes, you're gonna preach to tens of thousands and reach hundreds of thousands. And then went back to her deal. I was like, okay. Very next speaker, about a year later, middle of preaching, turned and said word for word the same thing. They didn't know each other. For the next four or five years, every single speaker that came into my dad's church, every single missionary said the same thing. I got a pretty vivid picture of what I was supposed to do. I thought it was gonna be through riding bulls. You wanna talk about opportunity, ministry, but at 21 years old, that's over. So I'm like, okay, God, I guess my mission's over. Because I had this picture, right? I had this picture that I'm supposed to be ministering to all these people. So in my thought, I'm thinking, I have to go to Bible college because that's how I would put the pieces together. That seems right. Everybody else goes to Bible college. God says, no, I want you to go to college to be corporate business management. Has nothing to do with ministry. Go to college, corporate business management. Fast forward to me working at Lone Star and our youth ministry exploding and us starting to satellite to over 30 locations and we're planting their ministry. And and I'm sitting there one day, I'm having a conference call with 28 leaders from around the U.S. I'm having a conference call with them and God said, this is why you went to college. To train me to be able to run ministries because that's what corporate business management is, is being able to run locations without actually being there. See, God knew how to lay the foundation. I had a picture in mind and I wanted to get there, but I'm like, no God, where do you want me today? When God called us to this church, we laid a map out. When we decided to leave, we laid a map out. We said, okay, God, where are we going? And we had a bunch of offers on the table. We're putting pins on the map, okay? We're putting pins on the map. God says, none of those. Okay. And then my wife and I both heard Dayton. 
So we're like, all right, so we're looking for churches in Dayton, Ohio. And we're behind the shoots in Houston. David goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'll be honest with you. I'm putting my resume out. I'm, I'm, God's calling us away to hand off our, our youth ministry and, and go somewhere else. And he said, well, you know, you guys know the rest of the story. He said, Date, I said, where are you at? He said, Dayton, Texas. My wife, my, I wasn't going to talk about this because like, I'm trying to really work hard on keeping my stuff personal, but about four weeks ago, wakes my wife and I up, wakes me up in the middle of the night, says, put your house in the market. It needs to be on the market on this day. And it needs to be for this price. I'm like, God, that's a week away and I'm getting ready to leave. God said, do it. So I'm waiting for my wife to wake up because she's going to have to do all the work because I'm leaving the next day. Well, then plane got landed for three days, so I ended up being home. But I said, I, I, went, I said, I need to talk to you. She said, well, first, I need to talk to you about something. God told me, woke me up in the middle of the night last night, said, we need to put our house on the market. It needs for this amount. It needs to be on this day. I said, well, that's exactly what I was going to tell you. So we put it on market. And we had a bidding war immediately on our house. Immediately. And we're like, okay, God, man, we're going to make all this money. God said, what I tell you to sell it for? Okay. So when it got to that number, we took the first offer that got to that number. I was like, God, why? You know what's really cool? I'm looking around because they're not here today. Sunday morning, the people that bought our house were at church here. Because it ends up being perfectly halfway for all their family to meet here on Sunday morning from where they live now and where they're at. I thought that was pretty cool. Then God says, you need to give your vehicles away. I was like, vehicles? I was like, wait, God, I don't have many of those, God. He said, you need to give them away. Jared was riding with us. We're driving to church. The very next day we're driving, all of a sudden my check engine light comes on and the woo, heat comes up. God said, you guys have heard the story. I've done it in the past, but I'm still stupid. God said, I told you to give it away, not drive it. So I pulled it back in, got in the other vehicle. Very next day, we're like, okay, God, you know, we could trade this in, get a lot of money for it. And right then, boom, transmission blew up. You're going to listen to God when you have to push that joker back to the house. So we gave the houses away. God said, when you sell the house, you'll have a new car. Awesome. I'm sitting there. About two weeks ago, God says, you need to get in your car right now and you need to go look for a car. So I called my wife, said, we're going. I'm, I'm telling you, God told me right now we need to look for a car. We're not buying one, but we need to go look. And I had narrowed it down because you guys know me about my research. I'd narrowed it down to only 20 cars that I liked. And so I had to go look at all 20 cars of the models. And the 20th car we looked at was we didn't like at all. And the guy goes, but everything you're telling me is this car here. We don't have any on lot. It's like an eight-month wait for this car. And I was like, ah, well, we can't wait eight months. And he said, you know what? five minutes before you pulled in, a lady had ordered one seven months ago and she called and backed out of the order. We got one coming in a couple weeks. You want it? If we wouldn't come that day at that moment, see what I'm saying? God gives pieces. Right? I get to go pick that joker up tomorrow. I'm like a kid on Christmas. Can't wait. Excited. God, what do you want me to do today? Simple things. I remember one time in college, I was looking at mac and cheese to buy because I was in college. And I'm like, God, because I have conversations with God about everything. I'm like, God, should I get the family size or should I get the normal size? Because I can't decide. And God said, I don't care, but thanks for asking. Right? When I say I seek God for everything, I seek God for everything. I'm just telling you, take your peace. 
if you skip the core pieces to try to get to the end picture, you're gonna end up with a model that looks like it. But as soon as the storms come, this is why I'm so cautious to give microphones to people. I've been lambasted for not giving the microphone to people. Man, this guy's on fire for God. You gotta give him. And I'm like, there's no foundation yet. I will meet with them. I will build them up. I will do everything I can to get that foundation there before you hand that microphone. Because as soon as they grab that microphone, you think you've been attacked before. Satan's gonna pull out all the stops. And I don't wanna set them up for that without that foundation of those pieces together. And I've seen so many that have just, you look at them and you go, and, and other people hand them microphones and they put them on the stage and they do all this stuff and then they fall so hard because that storm comes. And the picture, they had the picture, they just rushed to it. They didn't put the pieces together. You, you following me? There's so much power in the pieces. So I wanna ask you, and I want to leave you with this. You, only you can answer this question. What are you doing with the peace God's given you right now in your life? Some of your pictures look a lot more finished than other people's. Some of you only have one piece. Some of you have finished this, because if you've ever built some of the Legos, there's times where you'll finish a whole piece and then you have to start on another section. You know what I'm talking about? And then eventually those sections will come together. So maybe you finished a section already. Maybe you've got the, the, rear, the real, rear part of the car done or maybe you've got this compartment done and now God's getting you started on another one. But my question to you is what, is God, what are you doing with the peace that you have? Are you being diligent with it? Are you focusing on it? Are you saying, God, what am I supposed to do with this right now? What are you trying to teach me right now? What am I supposed to learn right now? What, it may look nothing like the picture, but what are you doing with your peace? Father, I thank you that you gave us an example like Joseph who has been through worse than any of us can even imagine. And yet at the end, that dream of his brothers bowing down to him came true. That picture came to full fruition. So Father, I thank you that we can look at the picture that you've given us but I thank you, Lord, that you build us piece by piece. That you put that foundation in us. And Father, I pray if someone today is overlooking the peace in their life right now, if they're looking past it, not understanding the importance of it, Father, I pray that you can show them through your instruction manual, through, through a word, through something, Father, show them how important that peace is for that next part of their puzzle. Father, I thank you as we leave here this evening that we're a, a light to our world. We're a light to our neighborhood. We're a light to our home. We're a light to our work. We're a light to our school. Father, I praise you that we are a light to those around us. Praise and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so glad that you chose to tune in with us this week. We hope that today's message left you challenged, encouraged, and inspired. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear more, you can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts as well as on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.